Hello, welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. It is the Wednesday after the election. Um, we did a little bit of talking on when we should do this election extravaganza. <laughs> and we decided that we should do it with a little bit of time after uh, things came in so that we could have time to reflect. As it turns out, that isn't going to happen. The election is still kind of happening. Right now, it seems good for Biden, as it has for like the past, I don't know, like 12 hours or something like that, where it seems like Michigan is done, Arizona is done, um, Pennsylvania is done, and it seems like we're going to have like a new president, not to jinx anything. <laughs> uh, so I'm here with Tammy and Andy, as always. Tammy, how, uh, how, how, is, how, how is watching the election in Montana? Guys, I am so tired. I slept like two hours and was just, yeah, watching Montana go completely red and then following Prop 22 in California, which we'll talk about, and then frantically texting you guys about <laughs> refreshing my New York Times page. And, um, is, is, it was does Missoula have like a relationship with the rest of the state in the same way that chapel hill north carolina has with the rest of north carolina where there's, there's like a there's like a sort of liberal elite contempt for for all the unwashed people outside of the city limits there's a couple of cities like this in montana that are more like liberal but but like you're right that bozeman. this one's the more like intellectual one like bozeman's okay. a little bit more corporate and stuff you know this is the like liberal artsy part of montana um, Got it. but you know well, there's big trump signs just down the street from me so it's pretty mixed still do you know what the split was in your district or county or whatever? Oh, I didn't look in this particular. I mean, Missoula is like super, super blue. So it was like double digit blue. But the like, state okay. went double digit red in like every office. Wow. It was crazy. What What's the explanation for that? I don't I I think the Trump part just really carried it this year. And I don't really understand it, given how horrible the pandemic has been and how the Democratic governor has essentially done a pretty good job here. But... Yeah, the fan base is really intense. And I think also there's just a real attachment to the sort of like machismo, like strongman quality of candidates that model themselves after Trump in this state. And so everyone just went there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like the, it was interesting how central Montana politics became <laughs> to the national conversation. That's <laughs> all these. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, you know, my, if you weren't there, Tammy, I would just be like, who fucking cares? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it seemed like there was a lot uh, on the line there. Andy, you're in the uh, you're in the pocket of, of democracy right now in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lou Dobbs is calling for like armed right wingers <laughs> to go like make sure that the election results are good. Yeah, uh, how, how how was it watching it there? Um, so thankfully, I don't think it's going to come down to this, but I was thinking today that, it, you know, this is really coming down to, it, well, it could come down to this, the mail-in Philly vote, right? Swinging the entire state, and which is my, you know, my vote or my wife's and my vote. Um, and that's kind of scary to think about, right? That it comes down to like basically this uh, very blue city in a very red state, and it's like it's it's like nothing special. It's like just like the people I know in the in this town, right? The Eric Trump apparently was like ten blocks away from me today. Um, oh, at that, wow. at that at that rally, that I don't know if they, if they actually did it. I think they scheduled it, and they might have done a little something. Giuliani was here, um, and it's just like very bizarre to see like wow. national news covering something that's fifteen blocks away from me, um, and and it's like no, it's just like a nondescript convention center, you know, in the middle of town. It's nothing special. Yeah. And uh, I can't believe like 
I mean, it could wind up that Pennsylvania, you know, gets called before Nevada does, gets called mm-hmm. before Georgia does. So it might be the the sort of unofficial state that puts Biden over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I mean, that would be cool. Your vote, you would feel like your vote <laughs> yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For um, yeah. Here, uh, the only thing, the only, it was a horrible night just because um, I had bet like a somewhat uncomfortable amount of money on Biden winning and one of my one of my closest friends bet six figures on Biden winning which I didn't even know was possible I was like how did you even do that you know and so we were sweating it out together and at some point I don't know like just a little primer on how betting odds work right so um at some point like you would have had to bet seven hundred dollars to win one hundred dollars on Trump winning basically so he was like a six to one seven to one favorite which is crazy you know like that's like if like uh i don't know if like the if the lakers play like uh you know the worst team in the nba and the game matters like that's about what the odds would be it would probably actually be better than that you know and so it seemed like it was over i don't know what was going on with the sports books but they were just like pinging all over the place once florida fell they're like, it's over. And so in your head, you're watching this. And because you are sort of trained to think, oh, these sports books are so smart. They know everything that like they have an edge on all the pollsters who, and the people yeah. on television <laughs> who are just going like, well, we don't know yet. And <laughs> it was fucking crazy. Like, uh, and I think it actually drove a lot of the coverage because, you know, you, you see all these tweets out and you're like, yeah. oh, no, this William Hill sports book in London says it's minus 500 for Trump now. And everyone starts freaking the fuck out. <laughs> and so it was a little bit worse because there was so much money on the line between like me and my friend who, you know, obviously had way more on the line. Um, but yeah, at some point he disappeared for a little while from our group chat. <laughs> I was like, what's he doing? He's like, I'm spending time with my family. <laughs> but um, hopefully in the end, it'll end up being good for both of us. Um, How does that I only work wish it, that like, I had... goes into litigation or something? Like, does it I know. Well, they, 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 the, the sports book put out an update explaining what would happen oh, wow. under every oh, single scenario. That's fascinating. But, um... That was a reaction to Trump winning Florida, which was like the first big shock of the night, and uh, Florida and Ohio, when it really yeah, seemed like Ohio okay. was going to be almost that impossible to win, Holy and that shit. North Carolina, and that a lot of it, I think, was based on the needle, you know. So, mm-hmm. like the New York Times needle was showing that North right. Carolina was done As, early. North Carolina shifted, yeah, yeah and, and Georgia was done early. They're like eighty-six percent chance, and then at that point, you're just like, okay, so tr- uh, Biden is not doing well, and in an election where he's not doing well, he has to sweep all these other states. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so that seemed impossible. I don't know why. This is like all of just me explaining a gambling story, which is the most boring thing in the world. But then, once Arizona hit, the odds swung all the way back. Yeah. Nice. Well, so, I'm. I think I'll remember the night as when the New York Times needle went to Georgia. That's when, like, the, the like in a sports game, that's like the when the momentum shift. It was like yeah, a ten, yeah. ten nothing run or something, right? And yeah. you're like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. It's and, like uh, a it's like a pick six in football <laughs> where they're like you're down four like you're down fourteen and then you get a pick six and then you're just like oh my god it's a game again you know and then and then since then we've been in the same state of sort of anxiety yeah. um, and uh, difficulty so um, I don't know like so what what like the things that I think we can definitively say or not definitively say but it seems like <laughs> Biden will win a very you know what. In some ways, it's a close victory. In some ways, it's not a close victory, right? Like, he's going to win by, like, four to six 
points in the popular vote. He's going to have the most votes ever, although Trump is going to have the second most votes ever. So God. I don't know what that statistic oh, means. Oh, wow. Crazy. He's going to win the uh, popular vote by quite a bit. And in the end, the Electoral College, I think, will look like it was, uh, you know, like a big victory, even though all these cl- races were pretty close. This has inspired like a lot of despair, I think I would say, um, amongst people, at least on social media, where they're just like, I don't know what this country is. You know, like, I hate this country. <laughs> do you do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like, do you feel like this was a bad referendum on the United States? Uh, I don't know. Tammy, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For sure. Like, it, I... This is, I, I was just last night, I was that annoying, like, person being like, this is who we are on Twitter, because <laughs> it, it, it was horrible, and it does feel like that time with Bush the second time around, where we're like, we have no one to blame this time, and like, this is just because people love this person, and it's yeah. just like a really deep commitment to him, and I don't know, I had a conversation with my students about it today, because they all have, like, very, very Trump families, and so they were talking about how, and I was just like, you guys, like, some of your families are poor. Some of your families are working class. We've talked about this a lot in class. Like, how in the hell do they support this guy? He does not care. Uh, aren't you, you know? teaching a journalism class? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The reading today was, like, on Eugene Debs. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, socialism. You're like, anyway. okay, for a warm up before class, we're all going to say on Zoom, workers of the world. <laughs> I think they're sick of hearing it, but yeah. Are they, are they, do, are they open with their politics? Um, yeah. With you? So yeah, actually, this yeah. one woman, she voted libertarian with her husband. Okay. And so she was talking because the theme of the class today was like, why isn't there a labor party? Should we have a third party? Like, mm. can, is there any hope that Republicans <laughs> or Democrats will ever reflect the values not, not of like, class people? <laughs> this is a great, this and she's like, I voted libertarian. Intro- I voted for like intro- Joe Jorgensen. Or- <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, week one is going to be, uh, you know, how to keep a notebook. Week two is going to be how to do interviews. Week three is going to be Das Kapital. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, that's funny. Um, Eddie, did you did you feel the same sense of despair and anguish? I think I think I was looking to blame the Democrats more. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. That was my reaction. That's the other reaction on Twitter. Like, get mad at yeah. the Democrats, and I am interested in um, the the things that were missed by the polls and like particular groups. And I guess I guess there's there's this anecdotal information out there that people voted. Basically, because Trump successfully made this a referendum on lockdowns, and a lot of people voted against lockdowns, yeah. and Trump, by yeah. being so incompetent at locking down the country, therefore made it a winning issue, which is in mm. a very perverse way. Still, you know, obviously it's about Trump, but it also reflects poorly on the Democrats in b- being unable to offer a better version of the lockdowns, totally. right? Basically, like lockdown with, um, you know, covering your wages or something. Um, so, so I, yeah, so I, if Tammy is the this is us person, I was the this is the Democrat party, <laughs> yeah. Democratic Party's fault person. Yeah, I was with Andy. I was <laughs> yeah. raging at the Democrats that all night. Um, and I don't I was very surprised because in 2016, I was pretty sure Trump was going to win. And so I watched the election results with like a great deal of uh, irony and detachment and self-satisfaction. I have to admit, I was like, yeah, that's right. I was right. You motherfuckers. Oh, no. <laughs> you were that guy. And I, this time, 
I was totally convinced that it was going to be a landslide victory and that yeah. they were going to sweep the Senate and that right. they were going to kill everybody and or like crush everything. And that like everyone, like Susan Collins would be like lose by like <laughs> nine points or something like that. And that, um, and that we would have like this interesting situation where this, we would have to kind of admit that centrist Democrats had done something right, you know, that they had right. run a good campaign. As it turns out, that didn't happen. And towards the end of the night, you know, as things were settling in, it seemed more clear that we might win. Um, you know, I kind of was like, well, is this the best result possible for the left? You know, is the best result possible that Trump is out? Because I think we all agree, at least the three of us, that like Trump being president is totally untenable, right? Like like it's a yeah, destruction sure. or um totally like there's no left under Trump, right? Like that he will destroy possibility for everything. And Biden, I don't know if you can push Biden or if you believe you can push Biden. I'm more skeptical about it, but at least some of the institutions that that are the foundation of the left, like, I don't know, like the labor movement or social security sure. or like social programs will yeah. at least be kind of intact. You know, like he can't run mm -hmm. like a full austerity government from the beginning, mm -hmm. even though, um, you know, like it might be better to, for him to be the president and to not have this broad band aid. We don't have to admit anything about mm -hmm. the centrist. <laughs> Democrats, you know, uh, we can still make arguments as to like how to improve the, you know, the progressive parts of the party. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it would have been nice to win the Senate. But um, in some ways, you know, like what I don't know, like uh, I think from the left's perspective, is it more important to have that sort of ability and that ability to make criticism and that, you know, like to have the sort of centrist Democrats on the defensive than it is to have a Democratic Senate that's going to be passing through legislation. I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to make a prediction, but I do think in my head this is solidified in my mind that the only question is, can the Bernie slash AOC slash squad part of the party take over the party quick enough? That's the only, I think that's the only real question worth considering and doesn't necessarily mean that they themselves get elected but can they make it okay so that normie democrats begin to take their positions and go in that direction because i do think if they stay mm. in the sort of centrist biden kamala lane that they're just going to lose in 2024 and every in 2022 and 24 and every election thereafter they basically lost this election and people just decided not to vote for trump as president and republican everywhere else right yeah and yeah. So the Republicans have made themselves into a different party than, I guess, mm -hmm. the party of McCain or Bush or whatever, like the Lincoln Project people. Um, and now <laughs> it's up to the Democrats to kind of have their own sort of, you know, Tea Party of the left takeover. And the question in my mind is just like, can it happen or can it happen quick enough? That's I mean, and that's just like a very you know simplistic analysis. I have no prediction in terms of if this is good or bad for them. I think yeah. you could argue it is good because Pelosi needs their votes now. But you could also argue it's bad because they're just going to blame. They're going to punch left anyway, no matter what, and they're they're just yeah. like designed designed to do that. So I don't know. Yeah, Pelosi is still going to be Speaker of the House. It seems like right, like she announced that she would. I don't I don't know how that process works, but it seems like she's just like yeah, I'll do it again. Yeah, is you it know? just by she, fiat? She's like I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, at this point, she's just like yeah, you know, let's give it one more run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, it sets up this interesting situation because you know all the people who won their primaries that were very exciting obviously got elected mm -hmm. you know, like bowman got elected and cory bush got elected and the squad is yeah. growing and um it seems, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> at the state level. It, he's yeah. going to be crushing the Pennsylvania State Senate um, <laughs> and <laughs> bending them to his will. Yeah. But we have, uh, you know, it, it is an interesting situation because uh, you do have, even if the Democrats ended up, I think they are going to end up either staying the same or losing seats in the House, right? Yeah. Mm, they still, still have losing. a majority. Yeah. Losing, right? But, losing but, but majority, have, yeah. But the size of the squad, let's say, is much bigger. And um, the influence that they might have is going to be interesting. And I think it'll probably center around Green New Deal climate stuff, right? Because that's sort of the God, broad so. topic that and, I think. And like a stimulus, lot of COVID into. stimulus, you know, or yeah. rel- COVID relief, right. let's say. A Heroes yeah. Act type yeah. part two yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, and those two issues, I actually think Pelosi is going to have to listen to them, right? I think that she. That Green New Deal is probably very popular. Um, you know, if, if, I don't know. They could just call it something else and, you know, it would be very popular. <laughs> you know, they think the name might be a little bit of a detraction at this point. But, you know, who cares what the name is, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, and COVID stimulus stuff and, you know, bringing aid to people like that will be the other thing that, that they're going to try and do. And I just can't imagine that they're going to, like, you know, push back at all. Um Biden needs to come out and be like, I'm, I'm the big idea guy. I'm going to be like a do something president. And at the beginning, it seems like, I don't know, I'm pretty hopeful for the beginning of it, at least. I hope so. Now, the, the thing we don't know now is the Senate. Um, there's a possibility that the, there's going to be a runoff in Georgia that leads, leads open the door a little bit for the Democrats to get to 50. Yeah, that Ossoff guy. Right. Yeah. But um, I don't know, like, how much does that matter not having the Senate? Like, I guess we can't pack the courts without the Senate, right? Um, yeah, yeah. All the big ideas are gone, like pack, court packing, all that stuff is Yeah, the and we can't legislate, you know, big financial bills really either. I mean, we need some support there. So I don't know. I mean, I think, um, like, to Jay's, like, question about, like, it, what's the better position for the left? I don't know. I mean, I, I think, like... I'm inclined to say it would actually be good if we had more control in both houses so that we could push legislation. Yeah, you don't want to have an organizing movement that is just based on like legal maneuvers, but we're really hamstrung to do anything structural right now. And I think like maybe we just need to focus on local politics where we've had a lot more luck recently. And I mean, last night was very promising in terms of local politics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and- for sure. Except outside of like California ballot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing for me, like, I guess the larger question is just, um, you know, like, will, uh, you know, how, how do we end up defining what comes out of this period and like, what does Biden think he can do so one of the things yeah. i think that he is going to have to be confronted with and i have no idea if he i my sense is he that is pretty cynical about this there's an argument to be made that since 90 percent of republicans voted for donald trump in 2016 and 93 percent of de- republicans voted for donald trump in 2020 that all the pandering to the right did not work like it didn't work the lincoln yeah. project didn't work like fucking john Kasich at the dnc didn't work <laughs> in the end, in the end like, i wanted to tweet this thing today but then i was like i was like way too spicy so i didn't but i was just like there should be like this referendum 
where every reporter who talked to a Trump, like a former Trump reporter who was like, I just can't stand him anymore. I'm going to vote for Biden. Like, I feel like you should have to track <laughs> those people down and track their vote and make sure that they did. Because I'm pretty sure every single one of those That's people amazing. still voted for Trump, you know, because <laughs> uh, like, like his percentage around again, uh, around Republicans went up, Seriously. you know, so I my sense is that Joe Biden is Joe Biden. He's just going to be like, I'm the deal maker. I'm old bipartisan Joe. And he's not going to look at any of this stuff and it isn't going to matter to him. But the argument can at least be made that he should uh, ignore what the right is doing and he should stop trying mm -hmm. to like make friends across the aisle. And he should just sign a ton of executive orders, right? <laughs> um, and not worry about the Senate. Mm -hmm. I just have a hard time believing he's going to do that. Like he wants to be liked too much. I think he believes in the process too much. He's so loves And the he's process. too much of like a career <laughs> politician, totally. you know, to do any of that stuff. So that's that's depressing. But at least you can make an argument that that can happen. Yeah, that's interesting. And I've thought too much about that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the thing that, you know, I think people will want us to talk about, uh, which <laughs> is like the breakdown of the vote demographically. Yeah. So um, there was the GOP share of the non-white vote, right? And this is a tweet that came out from a guy named Adrian Gray. And, but it's information that a lot of people have been sharing. Not to denigrate him. But in, <laughs> <laughs> in the year 2000, the GOP share of the non-white vote was 9%. 2004, it was 17%. 2008, with Obama, it was 10%. 2012, 11%. 2016, 21%. And in 2020, so far, it looks like it's going to be over 25%, so like 26 27%. Um, this, of course, was like matched with this narrative that was happening as Florida came in where that very shocking Miami-Dade um, number came back where, you know, Hillary had won like 65% of the vote and she had dropped like a huge percentage to Trump in the last four years. And everyone was like, it's a fucking Cubans. Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Cubans, like if, if you're like a liberal Cuban, you felt like a Chinese person after coronavirus or you're just like, oh no, can you guys fucking stop talking about oh us right God. now? Um, but like how know, many how many Cubans how amazing. many Cubans are there? <laughs> they explain like the entire nation. It's, it's I know, I know. They're yeah, basically like exactly. every Latino is a Cuban, and every single <laughs> black person who voted for Trump is also Cuban. And every Asian person who voted for Trump <laughs> oh is is Cuban. You know, it's just like it's, it's so just good. like a slur now. You know, yeah. for like a, for like a. Um, but you know, obviously that that. That result is true, I think, in Miami-Dade County. It certainly is not true even in other parts of Florida where it's like uh, people from Venezuela, other yeah. countries where, mm -hmm. um, you But know, then you the get that Colombian vote. To them. Um, where's the Colombian vote? Oh, in just Florida? like, yeah. So that was like another kind of Cuban population. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were doing major Trump outreach. Trump loves them. They love Trump, mm. you know. Yeah. So, like, the, I think the narrative of the next few weeks is going to basically be, and I certainly have contributed to this myself, like, why did this happen? And the explanations seem to be all all over the board, but very expected. There are some people who are saying, well, it's because they're white, you know? Oh, my God. Um, and saying, like, oh, well, white people are white people, and uh, white Cubans are white Cubans, and white Venezuelans are white, are white and uh, they just want to participate in white supremacy. I find that explanation to be very broad you know like I, I have a hard time believing like a guy is gonna say i'm gonna vote for white supremacy and it doesn't have to be that simple but you know the idea that you would align all of your 
interest in like protecting your whiteness within a country where I'm sorry, like these people aren't particularly white to me. You know, if your name ends with a Z, (laughs) you're fucking, (laughs) they're not that white, you know? And so, um, I I have a hard, and I, I have a hard time buying that one. Um, I'm sorry. So Tammy, what, what, yeah, yeah. I think it's a ridiculous explanation too. Tammy, what what did you come up with? Like, were you shocked by this? Were you shocked by the trend? Cause it wasn't just Latinos going, for Trump, it was uh, black women mm-hmm. went from four percent to eight uh, percent. Black men increased by a significant percentage. Yeah, that one was the me. Asian vote. Um, it's hard to tell right now because mm-hmm. the exit polling was not that accurate. But it seems like the Asian vote swung like somewhere between three and nine percent. It's hard to tell right now, but certainly swung. Like I don't think anyone would argue that it stayed the same. I think, so. I think that fifty-four percent number though. That's coming from if you're looking at the same report. That's coming from an AAPI something like organization and that's based on like september polling so that's not an exit poll yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that like but I, I i saw all sorts of numbers for the asian swing and but none of them said there was no swing there's definitely oh, okay. a swing right okay. and, so, and those were just like localized exit polls by organizations yeah. throughout the country yeah, yeah and, totally. and and polling after the election done by like some of these groups yeah but like you know like the swing is one thing so three to five percent might not seem like enough but most people logically especially white liberals would think that the swing would be the other way you know and yeah. so when you say when you're expecting like a 10 percent swing a nine percent swing in these populations and instead you get a swing the other way then the swing is not actually just from zero to three the swing is from minus nine to three so it's a it's a big swing perception wise at least mm-hmm. even if the perception was wrong. So uh, I don't know, Tammy, were you surprised by this? I was slightly surprised. I think like the the black voting increase in particular, I found kind of surprising. I think the three of us have talked a lot about what we've already seen in Latino and Asian communities. And so that was a little bit less surprising. I was cracking up, though, at just all of the interrogation of like Latina dad throughout the day, which was just <laughs> fucking hilarious on like PBS, <laughs> like Judy Woodruff trying to be like, well, that is a Latino, you know. Um, but to me, I think like this election is like, can we finally stop trying to be like this race is going to vote this way? Cause I just think if we think about the way people are reacting to Trump, I think we have to take very seriously that people across race and to some extent class are, they like his, there's something about him. He's, he's charismatic. He's appealing to some very like vulgar and deep, like desire to fuck the establishment. You know, yeah. they feel like he uses a, yeah. a vocabulary that they can understand. He makes completely ridiculous promises he'll never follow through with, but they're exactly the promises they want to hear. Yeah. And I think that is just like a thing about working people that we need to like accept and like stop trying to rationalize through all of these different frameworks. I mean, he's funny. He's way funnier than Biden. Like yeah. I would yeah, vote for him if I just cared about Biden. who's funnier. Yeah. Um, like the thing where it's like his sunglasses are too small. That's funny. I don't know. I'm sorry. Biden's got the biggest mask I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff's funny. You know, like um, yeah. he's uh, especially after he got coronavirus, I feel like he became much funnier. You know, where he's just like basically doing shtick. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, he did that funny video where he's like, he's like, Hey, my senior citizens, you might not know this, but I'm also a senior citizen. I know. Don't tell anyone. I was like, this guy's hysterical you know, <laughs> while being like this total monster. I know. I, um, part of the problem. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't. Andy, were you surprised? Were you surprised by well, these results? I, I think the, I, I think with the exit polls, I think I'm, I've been kind of 
gotten some pushback in terms of people on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, like, let's like let's wait for the final exit yeah. polls to come out. I think the ones that are probably indisputable though are Florida and South Texas, right? Yeah. Where the swings yeah. seem so massive, they're impossible to ignore. Uh, the Latino vote, Latino, Latina vote mm-hmm. down in those places. So that is something that is worth thinking about. And totally. Jay, in terms of your comment earlier about, you know, are Cubans white or black? I think I think this is interesting because the impulse is correct to to think about how Latino is like a dumb category, but then we but to like therefore define it as you know this is really about white versus blackness again yeah. like then then you That's just kind of problem. like right you've spoiled the whole like value of this critique by just kind of settling down upon a new set of like reified right. naturalized racial categories right and yeah that that aren't really even particularly accurate right so like we can say that in arizona which is the you know at this point if somebody wants to pat themselves on the back for saving quote the republic it should be the people of arizona like they had massive turnout amongst latino populations in maricopa county it's not that you know that and that that was due to like deep grassroots latino organizing that started under the fucking reign of terror under uh, sheriff joe arpaio right so yeah like that is totally different than um, than arguing that like all Latinos vote this way and white Latinos exactly. vote this way and like and uh, darker Latinos vote this way. Like it's like that. But, like, <laughs> that is like, so ridiculous. Like, can we just I know, appreciate but that, that? But that's like, but that's like really the argument that's made. Now, of course, there's colorism in Cuba. Of course, there are white Cubans and there are you know non-white Cubans. There are black Cubans as well. And there's racism that way. But the idea that like that one analysis of Cuba is now you know. <laughs> Like the the one that we should use of all Latino populations is you've basically just thrown the problem back into the problem, right? You're yeah. like, let's disaggregate yeah. them and throw them into an even worse category in yeah. some sorts of ways. Um, so like it is a complicated thing. I found it fascinating. I was I was not surprised. I I will say that I feel like our podcast should do a victory lap here because we're calling <laughs> that immigrant populations were trend right for the last three months, you know, and have been <laughs> only proven right about this now i was a little bit surprised about this stuff in south texas because the swing seemed to be so big you know um but i don't know i I think that that when the democratic party is thinking about all of this and when the thousands of articles about this start coming out some of which will be good and some which will be just absolute dog shit right that like they need to really start thinking about you know things not in terms of like broad messaging, which is where most of the articles and critiques I think will be. I guess I like Maddie Glacius was basically like, you know, Kamala Harris tweeted a video about equality versus equity before the election. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is why people, all the Latinos voted for Trump, but that's some type of mindset that, you know, a lot of Latinos don't like. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, like <laughs> there are other things that we can talk about, you know, it's not like a referendum on wokeness. I think we yeah. all, the three of us at least can agree that that type of video is annoying, you know, like it wouldn't be the thing that we <laughs> tweeted out. But the idea that like, I was trying to imagine it was just like some dude, you know, some dude in like Rio Grande Valley, you know, who's like a first generation immigrant who doesn't, you know, speak all that much English, yeah. you know, and like just sitting there, being, you know, on his phone, he sees this Kamala, Kamala Harris video. He's like, that's it. I'm voting for Trump. This cancel culture has gotten out of control. I can't believe that they fired David Shore for a tweet, you know, like uh, Thomas Chatter Williams is right. Oh like, what God. the fuck? Are, like, these people have brain or something so like that. They cannot imagine in, a world insane. in which, like, 
people have agency and thoughts and abilities to like think for themselves and vote in their best interest or what they think is their best yeah. interest. And so everything has to be this distillation of what is like happening on Twitter down into the uh, down into like all these different groups that they have no idea like about. That is you know? so ridiculous. So dumb. So dumb. So that'll be one of the things. Andrew oh, Sullivan's God. already beating the drum on all of this. You know, it's mm. like wokeness has wokeism has been obliterated. And I'm like, well, I, that would be cool to me. You yeah. know, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, Wait, but are they also uh, talking about more serious? So I think actually the the legitimate, not legitimate in the case that it's like morally correct, but like the more serious way of characterizing that is that people are talking about like urban riots and like yeah. the destruction of their cities mm-hmm. and stuff. And that is yeah, real. Yeah. Like if you talk to Trump yeah. supporters, they all talk about that. Like yeah. Yeah. he's our defender look at these like black and brown people yeah, ruining yeah. your c- cities. Like that is something real that I think we need to like talk about and figure out, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. if that's what they mean by like wokeness, like that is a legitimate thing, but no, but they're not going for the worst mean. example. <laughs> like yeah, this guy exactly. refreshing a Kamala video. Kamala. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know what? I think that equality and equity are, are I agree they're different, <laughs> but I think that equality of opportunity is more important than equity bananas. of opportunity. Bananas. Like, like a fucking Sam Harris podcast or something like that. <laughs> He's like, you know, like we picture like some Vietnamese woman, you know, in Houston, like who runs a restaurant being like, oh, my God, doesn't speak any English. It's just like, hey, yeah. you know, equity versus equality. This thing, you know, this guy's, you know, I've oh never voted God. for Democrat yeah. in my life. It's it's just stupid. That so, so um, but Tammy, the thing that you brought up, I did want to talk about because it seems to me that it's very true right now that among immigrant populations specifically. Right. And that um, and I think also among black populations as well that the that the that the that the protests you know did in fact have an electoral effect and i think that we have to like acknowledge that right because like you have you have like immigrant populations who are basically afraid of socialism right they're afraid of social unrest in the name of socialism Mm -hmm. they are they you know a lot of them are small business owners or they work in small businesses they see these places torched on television they get very afraid they see Joe Biden saying nothing. They say Trump all the time, just being like these people, you know, like they're and they're reminded maybe of something that happened in their homeland. If that's not true, you know, they at least are scared of it as small business yeah. owners. They came here to be entrepreneurs. They came here to like, you know, engage in capitalism. And they think all of this stuff is scary and that it, I think it did have an effect. So I think that there needs to be this sort of disaggregate or at least this sort of like, you know, this ability to think of two things. Right. The first is that that is true. And the second is that that does not mean that people should stop protesting. Exactly. Right? Like, like, and like that is like a perfectly fine argument to make. The problem is, I think, on the left these days is that like you cannot admit the first thing, right? If you admit the I first see. thing, yeah. then it means that you don't support the second thing. Hmm. And so like there's all these mangled arguments that come out yeah. essentially arguing like, Oh well, you know this didn't have any effect. You're like, are you kidding, dude? They like torched, like you know, yeah. like every time you turn on TV, there's like a building burning. Of course, people are afraid of that. You know, yeah. <laughs> like how could they yeah. possibly not be afraid of that? And so I think it did have some some effect in that way. People, you know, the other thing that immigrant populations tend to like is law and order, right? And we we have like we have to admit, I think we have like a crime wave in a lot of places, even if it's not across the country. It feels like it's across the country because you watch the news or you watch like, you know, um, I don't know, like you watch like Chinese state media through WeChat, let's say, or you watch like <laughs> Spanish language, yeah. Facebook, like all these messages are coming across that there's all these murders everywhere, you know, mm. and the country is turning scary and that the person that they would rely on to be 
person who f- to fix all this is like the strong man. You exactly. know, it's, it's not it's not fucking Donald Trump and or, I'm sorry, it's not Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that part is was like the most interesting takeaway. Like, how did how do people on the left like deal with that? Because it's real. I think it's yeah. real. I think I it's mean, real. It's so crazy because it's Trump's own incompetence. Not necessarily that he caused it, but I assume he didn't stop it. For sure. And, and yet they're saying that they're blaming Joe Biden for it, which is like an insane leap of logic. But I guess it doesn't really matter. It's about sort of the effective appeal exactly. of this stuff. And I mean, the interesting thing is that or the funny thing is I think Joe Biden pissed off everyone who was a progressive by actually being like the Democrat who denounced a lot of these protests and saying like we need law and order and, and maybe yeah. so i am i am kind of wondering like well how do we square all these facts i guess yeah. you know the fox news kind of trump blaming biden for all this stuff that 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 message was just too strong mm. um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know um but you know I, I think for a long i think throughout the summer there was a hesitation by a lot of left progressive leaning commentators to talk about this stuff i think it's become more uh something that can be broached more as we have this kind of second third wave of this stuff philadelphia you know has been going through a lot of this stuff the last couple of weeks and i think more people are at the at the very least willing to cover both sides of it how mm-hmm. uh, you know they have these protests there's outrage but there are also like um, there's an article about you know speaking of our episode with um, jenny a few weeks ago of korean beauty store owners in north philly who, oh really yeah and and they were like you know the, the one wave is one thing but like this is a second or third time yeah this has happened so, to our store Mm. Um, and that's being covered in a way I feel like wasn't even covered this summer for instance. Mm. I, I think, I, I don't know if that's true, but it seems yeah. like, you know, this is a, people are talking about this stuff more. Mm. Uh, and obviously the New York times article that we talked about two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. So like, there's, uh, I want to read something from like, this is another Jenny Medina. It's amazing that there's <laughs> yeah, two, this is the New York times reporter. They probably um, both live in Brooklyn also. So. Yeah, maybe so like uh this is a jenny medina from the times who you know i think is a great reporter and has written really great stuff we did an entire episode on something that she wrote about the protests as well but you know she wrote this piece about trump and macho right and um uh, i just want to read a passage of it there is one simple answer mr trump has a strong backing from cuban and venezuelan exiles in south florida who like his stance against communism and his campaign has heavily courted evangelical Latinos throughout the country. But no other group worries Democrats more than American-born Hispanic men, particularly those under the age of 45, who polls show are highly skeptical of former Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr. I love the New York Times style. Yeah, what has alienated so many older female and suburban voters is a key part of Mr. Trump's appeal to these men. Interviews with dozens of Mexican-American men supporting Mr. Trump shows to them, the macho allure of Mr. Trump is undeniable. He is forceful, wealthy, and most important, unapologetic. In a world where at any moment someone might be attacked for saying the wrong thing, he says the wrong thing all the time and does not bother with mm. self-flagellation. So, you know, she's bringing this sort of cultural aspect to it as well. And, I, you know, I, I, I think that, like, we have to be careful with these types of cultural explanations. But I also think it sort of fits in with, you know, um, part of with this idea that, like, you know, you don't like communism. You know, you don't like socialism. You don't like all these protesters. A lot of you are anti-black, so you don't sympathize at all with the protests at all. You know, and that you like what can save you from that? It's not going to be Joe Biden. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, so it sets up this almost impossible situation, I think, for for the Democratic Party. You know, like how do you answer that? Right? Like if Tom Cotton is the next strongman or something like that. You know, like yeah. how do you how do you 
how do you convince these voters? It might just be that these voters are lost. Uh, I feel like universal health care would help. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like yeah. just, just let's go over this personality shit and just give them like stuff that'll make their life better. That's my mm-hmm. just go straight to know. the material. I mean, yeah, 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 because right now there is not really that great of an argument, right? There's no thing that Biden is offering that's going to be so much better. It's (laughs) dignity and, you know, traditional values and all that crap. Yeah. And like Charlottesville stuff, you know, like, I can't believe he said both sides are great. It's like, who fucking cares at this point, you know? By the way, can I just say at the risk of being canceled, you two don't can disassociate (laughs) yourself with this comment. I feel like my general take that the whole white nationalist thing was completely overblown and that we shouldn't be afraid of election violence. Totally vindicated. I'm taking a, I'm going to take a, a victory lap for that one as well. Huh. It's just like, you know, like Seems we early, this- Jay. Wait, what, <laughs> okay. what, what, what was your take that we shouldn't? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I wasn't afraid. That seemed kind of crazy to me, too, that this country. But also like same. this idea that like, you know, the most important thing about Donald Trump is whether or not he disavows publicly like these white supremacist yeah. groups like the fucking right. Proud Boys. That part you I know, agree like, with. Who yeah. gives a shit, you know? And honestly, who gives a shit if you, you know, within immigrant communities like they don't know what the fucking proud boys are i don't mean to like you know i feel like yeah. i'm kind of like making point pointing these immigrants out to be like these like they don't know anything about the world but look I, I, i'm from an immigrant family you know i have spent a lot of time in immigrant communities don't think that the proud boys and whether or not the president disavows them is like high on their list you know of like problems with racism or anything like that like it, it's just not you <laughs> yeah. know so like who is that performance for? Yeah, that performance for is basically just like white liberals on Twitter or something like that. Or right? and so or also, like that's, I think education would be the other metric, even even if they're not white, right? As long as they're uh, kind of are part of a certain educational class, right? Or have some le. I feel like it has more to do with like leisure time. Yeah, you know, to, to, like to doom scroll on Twitter, kind of <laughs> just to watch Kamala videos, read the yeah, news. There is a real split between those who watch Fox News and don't watch Fox News, and also those who are on Twitter and not on Twitter. Like, yeah. I feel like our yeah. brains are getting further and further apart. Um, it's as, true, actually, as this year has gone on. Yeah. Um, really quickly, Jay, I mentioned this earlier offline. My friend Mark has written. He wrote in response to your Twitter feed about how. Um, <laughs> Um, how we how the Democrats have to move beyond being the anti-racist party, and he wants to hear what would Jay King, the political consultant, say for <laughs> how, what, what would you say for white liberal politicians to actually succeed if they're not just all my say, ideas. Okay, first of all, I'm going to say that all my ideas are for the GOP. And when I try and think of strategies, my strategies are always like this is how the this is how the if I was in the right, this is how I do. So maybe that betrays something about myself. But I think it's just much easier to argue on the side of the GOP. No, you I mean, like, AOC is... speech. You did the AOC speech writing though. Let's yeah, not yeah, that's that, right. Okay? That's true. That's right. true. But that that one I wasn't so good at. The, <laughs> this is like if people want to know why right wing why, why debaters become right wingers, right? Like the reason is because it's much easier as an from an argumentative standpoint point to to defend the right and because you don't have huh. to deal with feelings you know you don't have to deal with like hey but this will improve these people's lives you can That's boil everything down to like a nihilistic core right <laughs> wow. and then from that this is what ted, this is basically who ted cruz is as a human being right he is a total nihilist who is good at boiling things down to like a nihilistic core and then he says things like we should abolish the irs and you're just like well, okay you know but like that's like a, that's like a debate argument you know and yeah. at, at its core it's hilarious. <laughs> so it's a lot easier to argue from the right so it is not that i have like right-leaning fantasies it's more that it's that way so for, for the left 
I think that I what I would do is that I would just do the types of things that we talked about with Hua on our on our podcast, which is that I would disaggregate all these groups, right? I would target which ones are be- might be better or much more easy to to mm. convince. I think some of them are lost. Like I, I do think like Cuban South Florida might, will be very difficult, and um, if that means that we lose every single election in Florida from here to eternity, then maybe that's that's okay because you yeah. know they just won without Florida, so yeah. like it's clear sure. that it's possible. And then I would try and figure out what those groups actually do care about. And I imagine that like most immigrant communities, that they tend to be one issue voters or they can be convinced to be one issue voters. Right. So like you don't need to create this whole like weird scaffolding of like of messaging around race and like who's more racist and who's not more racist. I would just drop all of that. You know, like I don't think that I like if I, I just cannot imagine that like that type of that type of discourse, which is extremely abstract, right? And like the saying words like white supremacy, all that sort of stuff. Like and it, extremely it's not gonna... American. Yes, very American. Right. You know, like right? you have to be here and know it, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have to like understand, if you're like, you know, white America has been white supremacist for like 400 years. Yeah. You'd be like, well, I've only been here for like 14 <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's difficult. So and I'm not talking about the general strategy. Obviously, there are black voters yeah, as well. I no, think that like, sure. but I, I don't think that this type of messaging is particularly effective with them either. But it's just like, you know, um, you end up having to do like st- specific strategy. You do specific outreach. This is what Chuck uh, LaRocca, or, uh, Rocha, Chuck Rocha, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rocha did with... Uh, with the Bernie campaign mm-hmm. in Nevada, right? Like, um, amazing. You yeah. end up doing targeted things and you find communities, you go into those communities and you figure out what they're doing. Democrats basically didn't campaign for this, for this at all, you know? Yeah. And like that type of stuff will cost money, but I think that it is very, very important because I think that when these, these state races are so close, you know, and they can go either way, as, if you look at any sort of map of where immigrants are going, we discussed this as well. They're not going to like New York city, right? They're going all over the place. Like, yeah. you know, like Somali people are going to Maine, for example, right. you know, like, uh, like different pockets are going up in different States. They will change the voting demographics of all these individual States. And you got to pay attention to it. And the thing that offended me the most about the Democrats is that they seem to pay no attention to it. Right. They feel like a one size fits all, like, hey, I, we're not Charlottesville, you know, like we thought Charlottesville was bad. It's like 70 percent of people in these immigrant communities are going to be like, what's Charlottesville? Yeah. You know, like and so like, like how how does that work? And so I, and if you're offering them no policy, you know, like your kid can go to college for free, for example, would be a start. You yeah. know, like we'll yeah. give you health care yeah. would be a start. Yeah. Like uh, then what if you really offer them? You're like, well, I'm just like this guy and like this is my vice president. <laughs> and like, you know, we're, we're like, hey, we're not socialists, but, you know, and then the other guy's just like, fuck them, you know, opportunity. I'm not going to get in your way. Your taxes are going to be lower. Like, who are you going to vote for? Yeah. You know, like it, it's like, of course, you're going to vote for for the second guy. You know, now it turns out that most Latinos and most Asians did not vote for Donald Trump. They're just talking about people on the margins who can be convinced either single, mm-hmm. either way, right? Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's just difficult. Now, the counter to this argument would be that if you look at young voting exit polls, you know, young Asians, young Latinos, young Black people overwhelmingly voted for Joseph, Joe Biden, Joseph R. Biden, <laughs> Biden Jr. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it might not matter. You know, it might be that their parents are going to vote for Trump, you know, but that the kids won't. But, you know, kids have a way of like becoming more conservative as they grow older. And so, like, you know, like it, it's something that I think they should t- pay attention to. But um, 
I don't know. I think that you got to abandon this broad yeah. messaging the- and you have to, you have to stop insulting people by believing that, you know, just by saying we're less racist, that they're going to vote for mm-hmm. you because like, that is a strategy I think that works on black voters because of the history of the Republican party. Right. Like um, you saw it with like uh, you saw it in South Carolina with Clyburn. Right. And, and, and you see it with all the voting coalitions in the South. It's like they'll vote democratic because it's better of two options, you know, of two bad options. And, uh, and that is a real thing, but these immigrant communities don't have those same, you know, they don't have the same sort of built in, need to vote that way and so uh they're gonna vote however they they fucking want and they'll they'll ping back and forth Mm -hmm. and uh right now it really seems like there's a strong trend towards that like if like if you i i'm sorry to go on and on about this but like if you imagine right like a like tom cotton coming along or 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 something matt gates is too despicable i cannot imagine that he would ever run but like you know tom cotton is despicable but he can like or holly and they're like a fucking robot yeah or like yeah or uh josh holly or like nikki haley or something like that Mm -hmm. you know and her thing is just like hey you know i'm gonna get rid of affirmative action and all these high schools are gonna just go to testing the swing in the asian vote would be massive right (laughs) it's like one one issue voting group I don't know. She she would be the first Asian American. Oh no, I guess yeah, first Asian American president. Um, there's a really good article um, from Aida Chavez from the Intercept about what happened in Arizona, and her basic point was like the Democratic, yeah. the, the National Democratic Party did nothing. It was yeah. all about the gr- grassroots organization that had been there since 2010. You mentioned earlier with reaction to Joe Arpaio and um, this bill that happened in 2010. I just remember because it was happening when the, 1070. Right, when the Phoenix Suns were having their nice playoff run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. And Al Sharpton showed up in a Suns jersey. Yeah, low uh, Suns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a decade later, it comes back. But uh, I mean, the article is really good. And I think it also speaks to something that, you know, Brooke and Toby mentioned was right after the election is over, we're going to have this debate, um, you know, knock on wood that Biden wins about like, how was it won? And mm-hmm. the progressive have, have to kind of show the receipts and say they got things like Arizona through progressive yeah. door-to-door grassroots organization, paying attention to the local localities and particularities and, uh, you know, the specific interests of the Latino groups in Arizona. And that is better than the sort of, you know, Lincoln project type campaign that the national democratic party ran. And so like stories like Arizona and, you know, maybe there's stories with um, Pennsylvania with all the different progressive groups out here and maybe these other States, yeah, maybe, maybe in sure. Georgia, that would be like something to use as a launching pad for progressives to try to make inroads within the Democratic Party. It's like this shit works. We got surprising Definitely. results like winning Arizona, um, in spite of you know expectations that, or not expectations, but it was definitely a decisive win for the Democrats, right? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It swung the whole thing. I mean, you yeah, know, it it opened up so many different pathways to win. Yeah, and it's like a huge flip. Yeah. Uh, but I no, think Tammy, there, there's a missing faith. piece in the Arizona story, though, which is I think like we're talking a lot about the Latino organizing post Arpaio, which is essential. But Arizona was also the site for Red, a site of Ed, Red for Ed teacher strike. Yeah. And yeah, that okay. was huge. And I think like the what right. the mobilization that that, you know, had cross across race. I mean, Latinos are a huge portion of the teachers unions there for obvious reasons but like in like little rural corners all over arizona like 
Republican teachers were getting politicized against yeah, a Republican yeah. governor for their kids. Like, and that infrastructure post red for ed, like remains in all of these red states. So I think that story needs to be paired with the Latino organizing yeah. story. It's interesting. I did. I remember I did a story. Not I was going to go to Arizona, but I ended up not going. But I went to Oklahoma City to do a story on the teacher strikes yeah. there. Right. And I, the subject that we had was this woman who was like starting to drive for Uber. She was like 65 mm. and, you know, it's fucking crazy. She's been a teacher for it's like 40 up. years. She's a staunch Trump supporter. And because of like the organizing stuff, she's like, I, you know, this is my own story. Somebody who said that they weren't going to vote for Trump <laughs> yeah, anymore. So I should, go, I should yeah. go fact check her. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, she's just like, it's harder for her to understand the Republican Party after it's going, real. Through, going, through this, so real. going through this fight. So you have these two you have these two movements that happen independent basically of the of the mainstream democratic That's party right. which lead to infrastructure and organizing. Now like the main question is like do you think the democratic party the mainstream democratic party will learn the lesson of this or will they just steal the valor and just say oh you know that was cool it was because we did everything right there and just you know hope that all this stuff happens organically. Yeah. I sense it's going to be the latter. You know, I mean, my contempt for the Democratic Party right now <laughs> yeah. is at an all time high. Um, but like, I just can't imagine that they're going to recognize that because they didn't recognize any of the other stuff Jesus, that was happening. No, it's well, yeah. So this is a thing that you know, not us in particular, but that people have to push for in the next. You know, if the results go the way we yeah. think they are, is to highlight these types of stories because I think the battle over that narrative could. Um, you know, have implications for the direction of left and progressive. I mean, we know that mm-hmm. tension is already there, right? The Bernie, the Bernie wing versus the rest of the party. So it's not a question of if that fight will happen. It's a question of like, how is it going to be resolved? And, you know, these stories are good. They're good ammunition, right? For the progressive to make their case. Yeah, um, like someone like Rashida Tlaib would make this argument, right? Um, <laughs> with, but um, it's just harder to imagine that Kamala Harris or not that Kamala is going to say anything for the next four years, but like it's harder <laughs> to imagine like Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi would make this argument. You yeah. Know? And so um, I don't know. It's it, for me, it's like I, I guess I just like don't see much change on the horizon. Like, I just don't think yeah, that that since they won, you know, they're not going to rethink anything. Mm. They just take all this stuff for granted again. And then they're going to be surprised again in four years, you know, and you're just yeah. like, all right, like, at what point, like, do we, can we just stop this? You know, do I have to, <laughs> do I, do I have to join the Revcoms here? You know, like, so what, what, what do you want me but to do? But what about like, you, do you guys think like justice stems and those kinds of structures? I mean, this is kind of like what Andy was saying before about whether like the progressive caucus of the house you know, has any sway, but I think even outside of like the specific electeds, like some of these like justice stems, I mean, indivisibles to a lesser extent, but like, it seems like some of these formations have to have an effect just because they're basically in the same kind of like personnel pool for staffers. I mean, this is like extremely granular, but I I feel like that bureaucratic overlap is so real there, you know? So I just wonder if some of that has to seep in because this, this election this week is pathetic. Like it's yeah, pathetic. pathetic. Sorry, like, but the you know, and they should be ashamed. Like, but the they progressive should be candidates ashamed. won them all. Is that right? Like, for the most part, the progressive candidates won everything that they were expected to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the Justice Dems team, the Bernie right. kind of people, they did. But like, like nationally, like this is like abominable, you no, know? And right. like, it, yeah. Think- so like, exactly. So if they if at least there's like an a kind of like bureaucratic advisor class that can save. <laughs> say that like does that help i don't know yeah like i mean they should i mean they're already making these symbolic gestures of letting like aoc help plan 
that's Biden, true. Or Joe Biden's climate plan or whatever, right? And obviously, yeah, it's, sim- it's like silly symbolism, but it's also like a sign that they yeah. are, they, I mean, the, the progressive wing can at least say like, hey, listen to us because we, we didn't underperform our shit, unlike the rest of you. So at the yeah, very least, that's you know, give us a seat at the table. I mean, we'll see. I, it, hope it, you're it, right. it, I mean, that, that might be, I don't want to say it's like, it's predetermined, right? But I do think like there are, you know, the goal is to overtake the Democratic Party. You know, it's not to, you know, I mean, I like, like Jay, I want to bitch about it also, but um, I'm trying to think of like ways to invade it from within, like a, yeah, like a virus. You can tell <laughs> you, the two people on the podcast who are status and you can tell the one that like was an anarchist when he was much younger. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah. Um, bureau- bureaucrats, what are you talking about? Uh, but I, you know, I think in the end you two are right. And I'm probably, you know, being a bit naive about this, but you know, I, I don't know, like you, Tammy, I was so discouraged by the results and um, it felt so pathetic where it's just like, you can't beat this guy. You know, right? it's like, you have to make it, like, it has to be this stressful. He's like the least popular president in the history of, of the country. And like, like there's a economic collapse going on. And 250,000 people God have died of damn. this fucking pandemic and you can't get him out the paint. You know, like what would have that happened if like so the, if the fucking coronavirus hadn't hit, you know, like they would have been over, like they, yeah. he would have won in a landslide. Yeah. So like, it's not, right? maybe not in a landslide, but I'm pretty sure he would have won, you yeah. know? And so like the, I, like, like nobody was prepared for that. You know, they all thought that, that Trump would just lose because he's a liar and because he's a racist, it's just never going to be true. Yeah. And the other thing that's kind of making me feeling uneasy today is how quickly the GOP and Fox news are like willing to kick out Trump, right? They're not backing any of his oh, yeah. court plays. And it just seems pretty obvious. Like they're happy with this result, right? They keep the Senate. Oh, or, they have, yeah. yeah. They're close the to keeping Senate the Senate is... and they don't have to deal with this fucking maniac who goes rogue half the time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and they have set up for Holly 2024. They have a super majority in the Supreme Court, you yeah. know? Uh, they have the Senate. It seems like they're going to keep the Senate. Yeah. And uh, so what's really, you know, the difference is that you have this guy who's much, very willing to play ball with you as the president. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe it's even better for them in some sorts of ways, you know, like uh, than having to deal with like psychopath. That's like, gonna, like... <laughs> okay, so like in debate, sorry for the debate terms, but like basically their entire strategy was anti-Trump and the GOP are just going to kick Trump. In the TOC, in the in the two AC, and just go for everything else, you know, like yeah, exactly. They're, win, they're winning exactly. everything, translation, except for Trump. Please. So, so they, the Democrats, <laughs> no like, translation. You don't even want to know. The Democrats yeah, like, put all their eggs in one basket, they, which they, is anti-Trump. They, now the GOP is no longer Trump. So now the Democrats have nothing. But what is yeah, this two AC? I want to know the ju- the jargon, y'all. Uh, <laughs> so you don't want to know. Yeah, the, okay. the, yeah it's uh, so basically it's like in debate, you can make an argument, you make like a series of arguments, but they're all conditional. And oh, so okay. like you can essentially like what you can do is you can do this feint where you like run like you spend six minutes of your speech writing one argument, mm-hmm. reading one argument, and then you spend two minutes of your speech reading another argument and the person spends all their time responding to six minutes and they forget they undercover the two minutes. But in reality, what you wanted to do was do the two minute part, you know? Okay. And so, uh, yeah. So if you run like a long critique in the, <laughs> in, in the Trump critique in the one and see, and then you read like some weird topicality <laughs> violation, but the entire time you're going for the topicality violation that's basically what they can do you know they can just be like yeah we oh yeah trump god darn you know god damn it he's gone and then they like you know go do all the other stuff that they want to do the entire time it's an interesting debate analogy andy i'm not sure if i buy it no but like the gop is so so willing to toss this guy out you know yeah fox news is not backing anything that he's saying about going to the courts 
And that makes me feel really uneasy. Like, oh shit. It's like, surprising. It's surprising in a bad way though, right? Yeah. Not in a good way. Yeah, no, I well, I don't know. I was just confused. Yeah. <laughs> well, the question is like, how okay, so this is the last question we'll do about this and then we'll move on. But like, you know, like how do you think that he, like it's hard to imagine that he's going away though? You know, because even right now That's he's doing all thing. these crazy things. So do you have like this shadow government via Twitter, basically, where you have this leader of 30% of the country where they don't recognize a new government, which is going to oh definitely be true. I mean, people drive around with trucks like they don't give a shit who fucking got elected president. Like their leader is Trump, you know? Yeah, know. And so like does Trump basically if they put Trump in jail or something like that, like that's the only time where I feel like these people started insurrection or something like that. But, you know, if Trump, I imagine that if Trump loses, he's just going to like start a TV network and try and get rich again. He's not going to really care about American po or politics that much. But if he does, you know, if he's engaged, he wants to lead his army, then like, you know, the GOP does have a problem at that point, right? Because you have basically 30% of the country that's like this rogue entity that doesn't listen to you either. You know, like, do you see that as a possibility? Yeah. He, did, he didn't want to be a president in the first place, so he has no interest yeah, exactly. in, um, you know, maintaining dignity afterwards. I think... He'll either be like have his own um, TV slot before or after Tucker Carlson, or he will, you know, have his own TV channel to yeah, rival channel. Yeah, like yeah. like Ivanka gets her own hour, and Donald oh and Eric God. Eric gets like half an hour. I know. <laughs> it's you know like the worst part of all this right? is? Oh my God! Is that like? I had this fantasy that like everywhere that Jared and Ivanka went, that they would get booed and like screamed at, you know, after like a resounding victory. I feel like that's less possible now. I don't know why. <laughs> like, I just want to picture them every time they step out of their car, just somebody just like laying into them. You know, <laughs> I fucking hate them. Uh, Great. Uh, yeah, maybe that won't happen as much anymore. I don't know why that. I don't know why the election result would be like a, a, a response to that, but it just feels like there's gonna be less gloating right now. You know, like there's gonna be less. <laughs> we got rid of you. Everyone's just kind of like excited that they're gone and also scared at the same time yeah definitely. all right so let's talk about these ballot initiatives um because they are important so in the state of california oh. we have this process which uh is very stupid i would say where we vote on these ballot initiatives they're written in this way that's totally confusing you have no idea if you're voting yes or no you know um and you have no idea what side you're voting for having them you have no idea what the fucking issue is right and they're all written up by like you know like uh like legislators and like fucking lobbyists and stuff like that and they're written to be confusing because they want the average voter who goes there and, and has never read it in the first place just to go to the polling place and just fill out whatever the fuck you know and so um you know, there are two of them that were of importance. The first one I think we should talk about is Proposition 22, which allowed Uber, Left, and DoorDash to sort of skirt um, employment laws. And uh, Uber, I think, and I think the companies combined spend about $200 million in advertising around the state. I will say that as somebody who lives in California, it was inescapable. You know, like, and I'm not even in a place mm. where they targeted because I think they assumed that the Bay Area <laughs> yeah. would be against it, which in the end it was that like, if you look at a map of California, only the Bay Area, Bay Area is the only place in California, which basically voted no on this. Yeah, thing. that was everywhere else voted. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, you know, I still saw ads all the time mm -hmm. for this thing. Right. And essentially, Tammy, do you want to explain what it did? Like what, 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 what ended up happening? Yeah, sure. So 
there's been a whole debate, longstanding <clears throat> debate about, you know, whether you're an employer or an independent contractor, right? And corporations have long used like, oh, just calling you an independent contractor to not give you the rights of an employee. And in our system, which is a very unique system in like employment law globally, like if you are not an employee, you don't get anything. And because we have no real social welfare state, that means you don't have any kind of insurance or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You guys know this. Um, Interesting. So there's been um, not an Uber case, but this other kind of independent contractor case went all the way up to the Supreme Court a couple years ago, Dynamex. And it was a very good decision for workers' rights, which basically is saying that you have to work really hard to prove that you are not an employee. Like being an employee is the default when you are under the control of a boss. So mm. you have to meet these, you know, factors to basically say, yeah, you're an independent contractor. And it's very strict test. And then the California legislature, they took that ruling and they instantiated it in law in a statute um, through this process. Um, the bill was called AB5, Assembly Bill 5. So that got around a lot. We probably all saw that on Twitter. Um, then there was like a huge backlash to that by people like us, basically, like writers and artists Freelance and stuff who were like, yeah, yeah I don't want to be an independent contractor, or, you know, or sorry, I don't want to be an employee. I want to be an independent contractor. So then they fixed it. But meanwhile, Uber and Lyft and all of these app companies basically wrote this ridiculous but like incredibly savvy legislation through a proposition that is basically saying, if you obtain any kind of work through an app, you are an independent contractor. Oh I mean, it makes God. absolutely no sense, right? Because it should be a legal test about like who controls your employment, what are your yeah. terms and conditions of labor. But no, they're basically saying like by virtue of accessing an app, you are magically an independent contractor forever. Yeah. And California voted for it. I mean, it is like in my life, I think like the worst labor bill I've ever seen. It, it not only passed, it passed with 58% of the votes. So I mean, it wasn't particularly close. It, it's just so horrifying. What did know? the what was the pro-Uber campaign? Well, how do they sell it to the average person? All right, so the, Lee Fong like, did some stuff about this. I think he's ultimately right, even though, you know, um, <laughs> which is that they did a very multicultural type of campaign, right? Like you did not see any white people in this uh, campaign. <laughs> And they targeted a lot of, uh, you know, Spanish speaking and Asian speaking, <laughs> Asian speaking, <laughs> like Asian language speaking <laughs> communities. Right. And um, they had Uber drivers come out and be like, I support this. Right. That's and so, so in the end, uh, they did a, You know, they sort of picked up the margins, I think. Right. And they definitely obscured the issue. Like you had no idea really what it was about. It was just mm -hmm. like yeah. vote no on 22, vote yes on 22. You know, like um, both sides are pretty vague about it on the television commercials and but the blitz for yes on 22 was like the most important part right like mm. they just inundated the everything with it and they made it seem progressive by having the sort of you know identities of people in the ad be all minorities and so mm. in the end you felt like what you're voting for is something that protected minority jobs you know and i think that that probably attributes to a lot of it i mean california is what 35 percent white or something like that at this point i might be wrong about that but you know like it is a you know there's large pockets and i think the other thing that they relied upon is just that you know this is a car state right everybody mm -hmm. uses cars um people use uber and people's skepticism around tech is not as high as it would be in other places mm. right and so i think that um that but i think more than anything is just the money that they spent 
Yeah. You know, for like sure. If you spend enough money, you can yeah. just buy anything. I mean, do they explicitly yeah. say something like if this passes, Uber will go away? No, it was never even, away, it was right. never that specific. It was just like, hey, I want to be able to make my own money. And, yeah, you know, yeah. like I want to like have freedom economically, vote, right. yeah. vote yes on 22. Um, and it worked. I mean, it worked spectacularly well. And, you know, it's a stacked deck because they can outspend yeah. everybody, right? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that one passed. And, you know, I was actually surprised at how big the, the gap was in that. Um, but it yeah, it horrifying. was a, it's a disaster, but it also, I don't know. Do you feel like it portends anything or do you think it's a one-off like in terms of labor politics, in terms of like, you know, California, in terms of like the viability mm -hmm. of, of, of stopping these corporations from just doing whatever the fuck they want? Or do you think it was just like a one-off thing? I think it's, I think it is not a one-off thing. I think it is a harbinger. And I think like, first of all, it's a threat to democracy. Their entire business model has always been about doing whatever the hell they want and like regulations be damned. And I think yeah. this is like the apotheosis of that. Right. And then I think also they're going to do this bill in all of these other states because after AB5, pattern legislation started cropping up around the country because other states were tired of doing the whole like independent contractor employee thing. And so everywhere that's going now, the Ubers are going to go with a similar Prop 22. And where props don't exist, they're just going to do it through legislation. Yeah. So, I mean, I know worker activists and organizers are trying to already get ready for this, but I, I, I think it's okay also to just take a day and be like, this is a defeat. And yeah. like, not just be like sanguine, like, oh, we're going to fight. Cause like, yeah. this is really horrible. Yeah. And I think it's going to spread. What do you guys think? No, I agree. I mean, I think it is like basically just like a the gate open for all corporations to do this type it's of stuff. So you know, two hundred million dollars not that much to these guys. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so yeah. It's like, well, what other laws could we change? You know? <laughs> oh my god! I know, right? <laughs> what if we didn't have to pay anyone? You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if we could actually chain them to the to the gear shift of the car? You know, like um... this is the Onion article Andy said. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They can be legally listed as car parts now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, like, I'm, I'm sorry, Saeed, you know, but you're going to be, you're, you're just part of the car now. I don't know to tell you, it's the law. And the whole know? race thing is so fucking cynical because like when Uber first came out, they were, all of their ads were like, handsome white people because they wanted yeah. to be like oh this is like this glamorous like do your own thing and then it was like oh wait like all of the cab drivers are just doing this now and like really you're 80 percent immigrants right and like yeah. and then they're trying to sell that like a fucking like black lives matter jersey at nfl it's the same shit you know and I it's know. it's so dirty it's gross um and i don't know what to like you know i can figure out ways to like have it so that centrist dems don't you know when although i'm it's pretty sure that i probably can't stop that either but you know like I, I, this one feels you, you feel just much more hopeless about or helpless right yeah, you're just like exactly. well, what the fuck are we gonna do but did, did, sorry fatami you mentioned like you know they might go through legislature in some of these states this was something mm -hmm. i was wondering like do, do you think like a kamala harris because she's from like her her base is tech right like do you think she and would her have husband a, is like an uber lawyer right yeah like yeah. is this an anti-democrat bill i don't i'm not sure it is i'm not sure like kamala would be against this bill so no i don't think so right so there's these tweets that are like this is embarrassing this is the is the, this is in the democrats backyard but i'm like i don't know like this is kind of what the neoliberal dems are all about like i'm not really sure that this is it's obvious i mean it sucks in real life and that sucks for us yeah. who are left of um you know the biden harris ticket but i think the biden harris ticket isn't necessarily 
upset by this. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that my local politicians here in Berkeley, some of them were, you know, the ones who were more to the left were like, this is an outrage. And then the more uh, centrist ones who are still very left, you know, by the, obviously because of the character of the town, they didn't seem that, you know, they didn't, they didn't make any statements about it really? at all. Mm. And so, um, yeah, uh, especially the mayor who just got elected yesterday, reelected yesterday. Um, you know, he's sort of like a, hey, I want to work with everybody type of guy. And I think that, you know, it's hard to turn down corporate money in this sort of place. God, and it's yeah. especially difficult if they're going to get more involved in these sorts of ballot initiatives, which shouldn't fucking exist anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I think ballot initiatives should only exist for like legalization of drugs, you know, because everybody kind of <laughs> understands that, like, should we be legal? Yeah, everyone can understand that. Like have the ballot initiatives. Like I still don't know what the fuck I voted for, you know, and I like spent three hours researching this shit. And I was just like, I fucking can't tell. And then once I figured it out, I would go to mark it down and I couldn't tell from the language which side I was voting for. Oh, like, no. All that stuff is, so, all that stuff is how intentional. Messed up it's is that? gross. That's hard. Oh, yeah. So what do you guys, I, I've been dying to ask you guys this. So we're having now all these conversations around like, oh, the Senate is so undemocratic and, you know, the Electoral College sucks and the Supreme Court is so undemocratic. We need to have everything by popular vote. But the ballots are popular vote. The ballots are like the sort of like, you know, that's like the platonic ideal of a popular vote in some ways. And they're trash. So tell me how we're supposed to like think about ballots. Well, ballot initiatives. Ballot initiatives. Because, you know, that like I do like in theory, that's good. You know, I mean, it's not good to have confusing language, but it's good for people to be able yeah. to say what they want, right? But but a lot of the times they're not democratic; they're terrible. Um, um well, Jay is talking about the language of those particular. No, like, I know. Um, no, yeah. but also, like, if 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 the popular vote can be bought too, then maybe it's not a exactly good thing. Yeah. Like because you have no you have no safeguards against massive advertising and you know huge campaigns big spend campaigns that are going to influence so that's the, the status quo that is a status quo yeah. right but um but maybe that is bad for you know maybe we end up voting for like you know like bill google or something like that for president <laughs> under like a, with no electoral college is that what you're arguing yeah i mean again like so like california proposition 187 in 94 right that's like the classic yeah. case of like true democracy gone awry essentially right there are no like guardrails on that sort of voting when you have props and so i don't know i just like maybe this is like the montana and the fake montana in me now i'm like no the senate is good we need representation (laughs) but you know there's a problem sometimes with this like unbridled like democracy oh my god i sound majoritarianism right you're like you're like two you're like two clicks away from like you know essentially arguing that Montana should have three cents. I'm going to stop now. Okay, never mind. I, I, yeah, I was oh. actually thinking about in the 90s, you know, when I was in high school and learning about like the government, I was like, did we talk about how bad the Senate and the Electoral College are in my government class or was it like a, oh, a talking never. point? I don't know. Like, is this, is this like a new thing that it's people a new have, thing. have? That people have, but it's always been bad, right? Like, we've always known it yeah. to be bad. But they dressed it up as like anti-majoritarian rule. Exactly. In the night, in, like mm. in, like when we were growing up, right? The balance, like yeah, the founders had the full vision, sort of. But that's like, what we learned. Yeah. The the ratio of like California to Montana population probably doubles every five months now, right? Like it's it's insane the the gap between the two. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, um, okay, that's as tangent. Okay, let's talk about the measures, other. I don't know. <laughs> Proposition sixteen. Let's talk about it a little bit here. 
This is another one where like the wording of it was so confusing. I couldn't mm. tell which way I was voting, but basically no. it was to repeal a constitutional provision that made it unlawful for California state and local governments to discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to people based on race, ethnicity, uh, national origin or sex. So basically you're voting to repeal the thing that repealed affirmative action, right? So that's already confusing. And so if you vote yes, what you're doing is you are voting to repeal the ban on affirmative action, <laughs> therefore restore affirmative action. If you vote no, you're voting to keep the ban on affirmative action, therefore making affirmative action uh, still illegal in the state of California. And like, that's Incredible. so dumb. You yeah. know, that's where I feel like Poor these ballot effect. initiatives should just be affirmative action, good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs down. There's just but an emoji end, next to it. <laughs> this one also was not close, right? The no, which means, you know, no affirmative action ended up winning, right? So the ban on affirmative action has stayed in place. Now, in response, the University of California has tweeted, you know, like, we are really upset about this. UC Berkeley sort of went and followed up and said the same thing, right? Like, uh, and that, you know, if it, 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 like, Given the Asian population, given the Latino population, both of whom I think are, you know, about as anti-affirmative action as white people, that this thing probably didn't have much of a chance anyway. I'm surprised that it was as close as it was. But like, um, what was the know, difference? Was it, Sorry, it was 56 to 44. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't particularly close. Um, I am only interested in this in the sense I never thought that it was going to pass, but like, I'm only interested in the sense where it's just like. It'll be interesting in the upcoming days to see the number of new Asian voters and Latino voters that came out who would say that this was their top priority and if that actually exists. So the thing that I'm most interested about in this is just like, does the one issue Asian voter actually exist, mm. right? And that if you talk to the right, 100% they exist, right? So if you talk to these organizers who did the the Harvard stuff, right? Like they believe that this is the pathway for Asian Americans to ex exercise their political muscle, which is to like organize around one issue, right? So their first issue was funnily enough to try and like cancel Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel did some like skit that was anti-China. <laughs> oh, they really? got mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then from that, they like had a Colbert, network. Was it? That was no, it wasn't cancel Colbert. It was some other thing. It was oh, like God. some little kid said something about things? China or something like that. But anyway, so they built this network. And then since then, they've been using this network to fight nationally all these ballot initiatives and all these like propositions to end affirmative action. And it's interesting because, you know, it is, I think at this point, the most powerful and the most well-trafficked Asian American political organizing that's happening right now. And they just keep winning victories, you know, like it's, it's just very difficult to see the points where this is not effective in some sort of way. And so then I just think, well, if this is true, then are these voters going to naturally become like, GOP voters by proxy and by osmosis, even if they don't believe in all the other stuff that's happening. It's only a thought that I wanted to float out. Hmm. This would matter mostly in a place like California, where Asian voters are big enough, and I guess Texas, right? Yeah, um, yeah, or New York City. You know, like uh, New York City, it's like you know, a large part of the population yeah. is is still Asian. And, then, and applying to, New, and New where Jersey. there are like big public school systems, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. So California is obviously the biggest one because right. of the UC system yeah. and the Asian dominance of the UC system mm -hmm. um, in terms of numbers. Um, I don't know. I, I find it, I guess I find it interesting from two perspectives too, which is the other thing just being like, 
it's interesting to see how much the UC system is opposed to this, you know, and how much they want reform. Everything from banning the, you know, from stopping the use of the SAT to, um, yeah. it seems like their main, the 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 bureau bureaucratic people who come in and they try and like change the university so that equity, diversity, and inclusion is like the sort of hallmark of what they do. Mm-hmm. It seems like those people are very much in power in the UC system, but they're still dealing with this law and that the majority of the state does not want a change to this, but that the UC system is sort of, you know, ide- ideologically different than the rest of the state. Like it's, and, and from a lot of their students as well. It's just an interesting tension that I think that we should, mm-hmm. you know, keep paying attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is also raises the question that I think applies to you know, the, our conversation about Latino voters earlier is, you know, it's one thing for the first generation to be part of these campaigns. It's an open question. Will, will the second and third generation adopt their parents' values uh, on this stuff? Especially if, the, if, for instance, like the WeChat campaign is all in Chinese language, right? Like, you yeah. know, we know that, that a lot of second yeah. generation, a lot of kids are not part of the universe of their parents' political conversations. Um, so... You know, is is there a sort of a, a built-in limit if it's like a Chinese language campaign? Um, yeah. Can it reach like the second, third generation Chinese Americans? Yeah, my, my sense of this is that probably a lot of Asian voters like might have voted for Joe Biden and voted uh, against this yeah. ballot initiative, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, you can, I don't know, it, it seemed, that seems like probably the most likely outcome. Mm. Yeah. If you look at Calif- California voters, I bet the majority of them voted for Joe Biden yeah. in California. And I imagine that the majority of people voted, of Asian Americans voted so against this, you know? So that becomes like sort of the, I don't know, I don't want to like, it's not like the dialectic or whatever, but it is like the, <laughs> it is like the contradiction at the center yeah. of the Asian voter right now, just that they will always vote in favor of getting their kids into college or themselves <laughs> into a better college, but they will not, you know, but they're generally lean democratic right now. And where does that go? You know? Um, Cause it, seems almost unsustainable to just like have that just be like the future. I mean, I don't, it's a contradiction perhaps for the voters. It's also, I think the thing that the prop 22 reveals is like the democratic party. There is no labor party, right? The Democrats are not a labor party. And the fact that things like prop 22 or uh, prop 16 are sort of seen as independent referenda, right. That are separate from the, which party do you belong to right. just shows you that yeah. like the two, the partisan split in this country is not about labor and capital or business versus worker. It's just totally cult of personality versus cult of personality. Yeah. I think yeah. that's right. I think that's the, yeah, that's such a grim thing that I know. Yeah, having to accept. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. At Cal, I think like, and at UCLA, I think that they, that the, you know, the schools are going to try and do things independently you know, to skirt mm-hmm. through the law. I think it's going to be very difficult because I think these dudes who, you know, are going to challenge everything legally. And I think that yeah. the schools know that like every single time, like an Asian person isn't let in and like a black person is, they're going to just sue the school, oh you know? And so it makes it very difficult. But I, the last thing I would just say is that like, you know, like it, it is like, it is shameful that these colleges have such few black students in them right now. The Latino percentage is like actually somewhat roughly proportional, but like, like, you know, like I think Cal is like one or 2% black students. Right. And like, it's always been that way since, since this law went into effect and you can feel it on campus, you know? And, and, uh, 
Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know, like, obviously my feelings about affirmative action in general, like are complicated, but most of my critiques are leveraged from the left. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I empathize with the people, with the administrators at Cal and at UCLA who are basically being asked every single day, like, you know, like what are these academic institutions if they, uh, if you're, if you have no black students at them, you know, like, like you, like, what are we learning? You know, we're learning all this like progressive shit, you know, like, but the, but it's just like Asians and like, and like Asians of like whites, you know, and, and, uh, and so Latino students, basically it, like that's a school. So, um, and it just matters for those two and maybe like a couple more, of the UCs, right? Oh no, it's like up and down. Like Riverside is the same way. Yeah, really. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I mean, the community colleges are still incredibly representative, right? Yeah, and so the one good thing that they did to get around this is that the UC system, and I did not know this until I moved here, has a very high percentage of its students, especially you know at Cal too, you know, which is where the students go to two years of community college and then they transfer into Cal. Mm-hmm. And so by yeah. expanding okay. that program, gotcha. you know, Cal has been able to really increase both its like socioeconomic diversity and its diversity. My argument is just like, why don't you just expand it further? You know? And so mm-hmm. the Cal UC yeah. systems response is always just like, well, we're doing the most we've ever done. <laughs> like, yeah, but you know, just do more. Like you're never going <laughs> to change this fucking, you're not going to change this law, yeah. you know, and you're just going to cause other problems. Now, like if you take, students from community colleges you let them in you're actually almost always going to be picking somebody from like a working class background right and that you are going to have actual diversity at the school it's not just going to be a bunch of kids who went to like fucking crossroads or harvard westlake or something like that that (laughs) that, like create your diversity um but you know i don't know it's uh it's one of those things where it's just like well they seem like they're in a very difficult position we wish them the best um you know even though diversity and that sort of stuff is not really our bag (laughs) do you know who the the lobbying dollars were for behind this prop no i don't i don't um i should know but um on that on that on that note of uh we don't know what we're talking about (laughs) thank thank you we do the best we can guys (laughs) thank you for listening to our show we have cut this off at an hour 24 so that's good um it's shorter (laughs) (laughs) relatively (laughs) um you yeah uh do we have any uh we'll we'll get to your we'll do we'll do listener emails next week do i mean Um, we'll do a lot of that also i mean do you want to do the tammy good good oh that's right last thing okay so instead of this week corner yeah. Yes. Instead of this week, thing that way. you should know to do, or you should know about, we're going to tell what are the three things that were encouraging about the election that 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 you noted. So Jay already mentioned a couple of things that we celebrated, like the election of Cory Bush and some of the progressive candidates. That was very exciting. I'll just mention like three ballot-ish things. So again, in Arizona, Proposition Two Hundred Eight. This grows straight out of the Red for Ed teacher strikes. And um, establishes a new tax bracket for rich people to have to wow. pay more taxes. Yeah, right. yeah <laughs> supporting education. Like, bravo, that's amazing. Um, Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns are going to be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be traded, gonna, though. Sorry. It's going to be really hard for them to recruit free agents to, to Phoenix. They're like, I don't want to pay that. <laughs> Isn't Arizona one of the like, least, tax, least tax states yeah. out there? Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah, low yeah, taxation. Yeah. yeah. So that's um, very exciting. Right. Yep. 
Um, the second thing is Florida is now part of Fight for 15. So mm. they are going to yeah. go straight to a $10 minimum wage, which that's low, but that's an increase. And then slowly it's going to go up to 15 by 2026. So bravo, and that passed 60%, right? That was like, yeah. that was like it's just mind-blowing. How do they vote right? for Trump and then vote for this? It's, that's know. the... Joe Biden and of course, like fucking... Bernie supporters were like, we told you so. Bernie yeah, exactly. tell me, right? I mean, that is way more yeah. socialist than Joe Biden, you know, like how did. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think Joe, I don't think Bernie would have won this one, but we can, we can. Uh, Maybe not this that. one, I but think 16. I think he would have for sure. I don't think so. I think, but um, I think. Okay. I don't think so. Um, I think he would have right. in 16, but. Um, I think he would have won in 16. What state would he lose compared to Joe? Oh, whatever. We don't have to. I think it's. Yeah, yeah. Let's argue this offline. You got, yeah. Okay. Um, third, the third, third, third thing I'll thing. note is Oregon decriminalized possession of small amounts of hard drugs, which is amazing. And then pot did really well. So Arizona, yeah. New Jersey, South Dakota, Montana are now all going to have recreational pot. So yeah. we're seeing some kind of libertarian decriminalization moves around this. I think that's very exciting. And yeah. And like Oregon, basically, you can have like heroin and everything. Right? Right? It's like, it's not which like, school. bravo, like small amounts of heroin. There are people who can do that in a healthy way. I applaud that. Yeah, that's not OK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, can... not, not medical. It's not a medical advice. But um, yeah, I was, I was, no, it's OK. It's not medical advice. Please don't do small amounts of heroin. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I don't know. It's like, and then mushrooms are legal. I don't know. It's like, I'm glad that mushrooms are legal, but it kind of stresses me out, you know, because I don't <laughs> like being around people around mushrooms. Like, you know, calm down. I got, you know, I'm not on the same wavelength as you. I can't fucking deal with this. So everyone around me is on mushrooms all the time. I'd be fucking stressed out. Um, but I'm glad that it's legal. Oh my um, God. Okay. So those are three good things. And uh, yeah. Those are that actually parked me up a little bit. And, you know, Yay. it seems like over the recording of the show, nothing has changed. It seems like Trump is going to win. <laughs> Great. Uh, and not Trump yeah, is going to win. No. Trump is yeah. going <laughs> to lose. That's what we should say. We should not say Biden won. It seems right. like Trump is going to win. And yeah. uh, we are going to, yeah, that is the end of our show. Thank you for listening. Um, you can contact us at TTSGpod on Twitter. Or you can email us at time to say goodbye pod at gmail.com. We're going to read a lot of your emails next week. Um, thanks to Mark, uh, who wrote the email this week that we responded to. I don't know if I gave a satisfying answer, but you know, I, I, you know it's more <laughs> just me being mad and like saying that this thing doesn't work. But yeah, I think that a more targeted, disaggregated approach would certainly work. And we need to abandon some of the ideas of like a broad message around race because I don't think those are working at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have anything to add? Just that listeners should write as many questions about the election as possible that they want to talk about for next week. So we're going to have a more timely discussion also to hear everyone else's reaction as well. Yeah. That's oh yeah. Oh, and later this week we recorded an episode with Oliver oh, Wong. Yeah. He uh, wrote a book called Legions of Boom. I'm very excited about this. We already recorded it. It's about the Filipino DJ culture that sprouted up in the late 70s and early 80s in Daly City and parts, you know, sort of these suburbs around San Francisco that became immigrant enclaves. And like, if you've ever, I don't know, maybe I'm the only person who wonders this, but it's like, why are all the best DJs Filipino? You know, that is the question that I thought, you know, it's like in, the, in like 1999 or something like that, listening to the Invisible Scratch Pickles, it's like, why are all these guys Filipino? <laughs> you will have that answer, question answered, <laughs> very specific so awesome. question answered 
on the podcast. Um, all right. Well, till next week, guys. Uh, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay. I'm. Sei con me, con me, come a luna, sei qui con me.